Good morning. Hey, yeah, as Tom mentioned, my name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at Cedar Mill. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, and for those who do know me, uh, if you know one thing about me, you know I am one lucky dude. I, <laughs> I get to do ministry with the most beautiful pastor ever, not Pastor Dave, my, my sweet wife, Bethany. And uh, together, we get, to, uh, we get to pastor the most amazing kids ever here at Cedar Mill. Uh, and it's just a tremendous privilege for us uh, to be here and to be part of your family. Um, I wanna say just a couple things before we move along about Royal Family Kids Camp. One, uh, I can promise you two things. One, if, if you go, you will come back exhausted, okay? But you will also come back changed because Jesus is with our campers at RFKC and where Jesus is and when we are with him in his presence, we are changed forever. Amen? Amen. So friends, it's been since last summer during our series on Psalms that I had the opportunity to share with you during that sermon uh, in, uh, about the question of suffering and how do we respond to suffering? I also shared with you a story of suffering our family experienced a few years ago. It was honestly the first time in my life that I can say that I believe we experienced profound suffering. We had been foster parents for a few years, and at that time we had a child placed with us who came out of the most desperate circumstance we had ever encountered. He came to us straight from the hospital. Yeah because his biological mother had exposed her older children to dangerous men who were predatory towards children. After having Darian, that's his name, in our home for nearly two years and knowing his story, we were thrilled to hear uh, that his adoption was nearing. We desired deeply to welcome him into our family and to love and protect him. He was a brother to each of our children and was a son to both Bethany and I. However, through a conflation of different events and a protracted legal battle, he was returned to his biological mother. This morning, I would like to share the rest of that story with you. It is a story of God moving in ways he promises to, but honestly, in ways we never anticipated. Not long after Darian was returned to his biological mother, a police officer who someday I would love to meet and thank took interest in a vehicle parked in front of a furniture store behind Darian's mother's apartment where she lived with Darian and his new baby sister. Once the officer ran the plates, he realized that it belonged to a registered offender and that he had a no contact order with a woman and her children who lived behind the building. That night, Darian's biological, that night Darian was a, or Darian's biological father was arrested by that police officer in his mother's apartment. And Darian and his new baby sister were removed from their biological mother's care. Immediately after that, we were called and told the news. Unfortunately, we were also told that it was not likely he and his sister could be placed with us long term as we had just adopted our daughter and our new son, Caleb, our, was, was placed with us. But something beautiful happened that never happens. 
We were asked to recommend families who we thought would be a good family for Darian and his baby sister. Families who would allow us to stay in relationship with Darian. That night, Bethany crafted an email to I think literally everyone we knew. When she did this, I remember having one of my not so finer moments as a husband. I think I asked her, do you really think somebody is going to respond to an email? But God moved. Our children's Spanish teacher and dear friend who had followed our story with Darian responded the next day. She told us that she and her husband felt like God's spirit moved in their hearts and wanted them to say yes. Ben and Jory Xavier, two of the most passionate Christ followers I know, said yes to Darian and his little sister. And yes to the spirit. Darian and his sister now are Ben and Jory's son and daughter. Clap, please. It's worth it. Darian and his sister have been given new names to go with their new identities. They have been given a permanent family, a secure future, and unconditional love. Friends, there are stories of adoption of children in this room that are very similar to Darian and his sisters. And some of those stories found their beginning at Royal Family Kids Camp. Today, though, as we walk through God's word in our text, I want to create space for us to think about another adoption story. It is my adoption story. It is your adoption story. It is the adoption story of all who trust and follow Jesus. Friends, it is rightly said that adoption is at the heart of the gospel message. So would you open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. And our scripture reader today is my dear friend Martha Court. For all those of you who don't know Martha, she and her late husband Hollis served as aunt and uncle at Royal Family Kids Camp, which is a very important position at camp. And her soon-to-be daughter was also a camper at RFKC. And listen to this. Their adoption story will be finalized this coming Wednesday. Galatians 3:26 to 4, 7. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, 
God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Bless the reading of the word. Amen. Thank you, Martha. Friends, would you pray with me as we open God's word, unpack our text. Father, we invite your spirit here today. Move in our hearts. Posture our hearts. Clear distraction, Father. And allow nothing in me or my words to hinder what you want to speak to your children this morning. In your name, amen. So friends, throughout our text, the Apostle Paul speaks of those in Christ as being sons and heirs. But honestly, I do not think most of us have given proper attention to what that means to be adopted by God. We know what it means to be saved or justified from our sins and rescued from eternal separation from God. But we have given much much less attention to what it truly means to be adopted by God. But the importance of understanding our adoption as, as God's children cannot be understated. So today, I want to look at the question, what does it mean to be God's adopted child? When author and theologian J.I. Packer poses the question, what is a Christian, in his classic book, Knowing God, which I'd recommend to each of you, his response is this. The question can be answered in many ways, but the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as his or her father. Later he writes, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, Find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayer and his whole outlook on life, it means he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Not only are we created as human beings in the image of God, possessing all the highest value and dignity, But if you have chosen to trust and follow Jesus, you are not only declared righteous and forgiven before God, but at that same moment, you are also adopted and become God's precious and beloved child and heir. This means God, the gracious and merciful judge, declares us righteous based upon Christ's death on the cross. And then he does the most beautiful and extravagant thing He immediately takes off his robe as judge, walks towards us, and embraces us as his beloved adopted child. Friends, our judge becomes our father. We move from hopeless criminal to a beloved son or daughter of God. Now, during this time I was preparing for this sermon and pondering this reality, I actually spotted someone on Highway 26 who I think is actually giving proper attention to his identity as God's adopted child. 
There you go. So I'm not really into personalized license plates, but if you can read it, it says what? His, his kid. Okay? But even though I'm not into personalized license plates, I love that this guy gets it. He embraces his identity as God's child so well that his car is even living into it. But I'm also not sure how God felt about his kid driving 85 or 90 down 26. <laughs> or how he felt about me telling my wife, speed up, speed up, so I could get the picture. <laughs> but he is definitely on to something. It is truly special and unique for, to us as Christ followers to be his kid, God's son, God's daughter. And just a side note before we move on, if this is your teenage son or daughter, please take it easy on them. <laughs> now, before we begin to unpack this text, I do, I, I do want to address something that is, that is real and could hinder some of us. As we process this reality that in Christ we have been adopted and that God is our father, for some of us, the name father is a very loaded and painful term. Some of us have fathers who are distant, absent, or even abusive and exploitative. If that is you, let me just say two things. First, Christ will either deal with your father's sin on the cross, just like he has dealt with your sin, or he will deal with it for eternity. Second, I'm very sorry. But I want you to know this. You have a heavenly father who loves you and delights in you. And is the father your father should have been if sin and brokenness had not entered this world. But with that important and unfortunate reality acknowledged, let's look at our passage this morning. The Apostle Paul presses fully into this idea of God as Father. And he does so over and over. Chapter 3, verse 26. For in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. Verses 4 and 5. God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Verse 6, and because you are sons. Verse 7, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. In Christ, you are now a son or a daughter of God. And you can now call him Papa, Daddy, Father, Abba. And it is worth noting that in our passage this morning, that Paul shifts out of the Greek and uses the Aramaic name Abba for God. He does this because Aramaic was the language Jesus himself spoke. And when Jesus would pray, that is the exact term of affection he would use as God's son to cry out to his father. As God's adopted sons and daughters, God is, or Paul is also inviting us to call on our Heavenly Father in the exact same way. Now friends, this is a very radical claim Christianity makes that no other faith dares to. 
No other religion dares to call God Father. Maybe you're, you, you are new to Christianity or wrestling with your faith and asking, what is even so special about this idea of God as Father? You might even be saying to yourself, aren't we all God's children? That is a pretty popular idea in our culture today. And scripture would agree that God deeply loves all people and they are deeply valuable to him. That is a powerful truth that should impact our thinking about all human life. But Paul is talking about something different and unique here. Something beyond simply being created by God. Verse 26 makes this clear. For in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. We also see this language, or we also see this in the language of adoption that Paul uses in verse 5. Christ came to redeem those who were under the law. Friends, be clear about this. We are not born biologically into God's family simply by existing. Rather, we are invited into God's family as a gift. A gift of indescribable and undeserved grace. Prior to faith in Christ, you could rightly say that we were nothing less than spiritual orphans, fatherless, parentless. Paul even goes so far as to call us slaves. But God adopted you as a child. And you were, by nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God adopted you as a son, as a daughter. And he rescued us through his one natural son, Jesus. But friends, all adoptions come at a cost. My daughter Mariah's adoption papers, the second the judge signed those papers, she became my little girl, my daughter. But to get to that point, there was a cost. Friends, your adoption papers are signed by nothing less than the blood of Christ. And your adoption cost him nothing less than the cross. As his child through faith, God is inviting all of us into an intimate relationship with him. A relationship that can only be equated to a relationship between a parent and a child. Sonship, daughtership, adoption. It is an extravagant and intimate experience. It begins with us being given a new legal status before God our judge so that we can truly know him as God our father. And the phrase adopted as sons in verse 5 is actually a single word in the Greek. It is actually a well-known term that referenced a legal process in ancient Rome. If you were a wealthy person who did not have children and thus no heirs to pass on your wealth to, you could adopt a child. At that moment <clears throat> that you adopted that child, all that child's debt would be canceled. That child would then have a fresh start and would immediately receive all the financial and legal privileges of their new father's estate and all the privileges in life as the son and heir of his or her new father. So when Paul used this term, everyone knew exactly what he was talking about. 
It was not just a new level of intimacy with God. It was a new legal standing and set of promises that God, by his character, will never break as your father. It is for this reason that Paul uses the masculine term only in our passage today. Did you take note of that? Did that maybe make you uncomfortable? Please don't be uncomfortable. Paul is actually doing something quite subversive to his patriarchal setting. Paul is making a very intentional point. Remember, in ancient Rome, who received the inheritance of the family? Right, only the son. Who alone had the full rights and privileges in ancient families? Only the son. Paul is saying here, regardless of who you are, your gender, social standing, or racial background, if you come in Christ, you are a son. You will be given the full rights of adoption and sonship, and your father guarantees it through the work of his firstborn son, Jesus. And this reality is true regardless of your past, your mistakes, your sin. Friends, if you feel unworthy or are carrying with you a past that even the thought of fills your mind with sadness, remember every single one of us is completely unworthy and undeserving of this gift. If you have chosen to trust and follow Christ, your identity as a son or daughter is secure. And friends, your father will never disown you. God will not and cannot break his promise. Your adoption is final. And your perfect father, he goes, and as your perfect father, he even goes further. As your father, he does not want his children to question his love and their value. He wants you to know as his child inwardly that you are his son, his daughter. And this is where we again connect with our Life in the Spirits series. God sends his spirit to bear witness to your spirit that you are his child. You are already legally his son, and because this is true, God sends his spirit where? Into our hearts. The spirit that causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, the Holy Spirit, God within us, enables us to say, Yes, it is true. I am a child of God. And Abba Father is not simply a term of affection. It also connotes a sense of strength akin to, have you even seen my daddy? Do you even know how strong and powerful he is? We friends are children of the sovereign king of the universe. And again, this is not simply some legal paperwork filed off in some state building somewhere that you are hardly familiar with. Some objective truth that you only dispassionately know. It is an identity that you experience, you grasp, you cling to daily, and you treasure. It is an identity that changes your life. My daughter Mariah doesn't have to grab the pay, her adoption paperwork to know that I am her daddy. She knows without question in her heart, and I know it in mine. I am her daddy, and she is my precious, and though at times stubborn-minded and strong-willed daughter. 
So how does this identity as God's adopted son or daughter change our lives? There are five privileges we have as God's son and daughters that I want to explore with our remaining time. And I want us to think about how the reality of those privileges should change our lives. The reality, though, is to fully mine the depths and the richness of what it means to be God's adopted child would take us far more time than we have this morning. But I just want to unpack these five privileges. First, as God's adopted child, you gain access. Friends, your father wants to spend time with you. As his son, as his daughter, you have unfettered, on-demand access to the God of the universe, who is your daddy. He is never too busy for you or doing something too important for him to engage you. Friends, children really can teach us so much about our relationship with God. That is why Jesus so often directed his disciples' attention towards children. The way they move about the world and they interact reveals so much to us about how to live fully into our identity as God's child. I remember when my three oldest children were about preschool age and would come to visit me at my office. They would bring me artwork, pictures they drew for me, and would run into my office eager to show me what they had created. They could care less what I was doing, if I was talking to someone who was important, or if they were interrupting. They just wanted to see their daddy and spend time with me and offer me the gifts they had made. Now, my most entrepreneurial child took notice of how crazy I went about everything he drew for me and realized that he might be able to make a few bucks and actually started putting price tags on his drawings. <laughs> and yes, I thought it was both hilarious and awesome and I started to pay for them. Until, of course, he priced me out of the market. But I just love that they wanted to see me and spend time with me. And it, and it brings our Heavenly Father joy, friends, when you desire to draw near to Him, to share your fears, your hopes, your affections, and even your questions. Friends, do you know that you have access to your Father at any time? What a privilege to have access to the sovereign King of the universe, who is your Father. Friends, do you call out to him and spend time with him throughout your day? Not as something you need to do to check off your list of being a good Christian or tasks for the day, to earn or keep his approval or alleviate guilt, but simply because he is your Abba and loves you and you are his child and love your Abba Father. Friends, the second privilege I want to look at that we gain as God's adopted child is we gain his affection. He delights in you. He loves to show you affection. This truth is so important for us to embrace as we live our lives because deep down, I think many of us have this sneaking suspicion that God may have forgiven me, but we wonder, does he really like me? Maybe by will or because he's locked into some kind of like promise or covenant that he can't back out of, he might love me, but there is no way he would want to spend time with me. But the truth in scripture is that he delights over you. He sings over you, Zephaniah 3.17 tells us. And he shows you affection. 
And friends, we see his affection also for us in adoption. God moved towards us. God pursued us. God chose to adopt us. He took the initiative to love you and bring you into his family. Your father turned to you and said, I want you. He chose you. He loved you. He adopted you. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. He adopted you with choosing love, with adopting love. Third, as God's adopted child, you gain security. Are you secure in your father's love and your identity as his child? Or are you worried about getting kicked out of the family if you mess up? Your father loves you and it's not because of your effort. Our adoption is a gift we receive by grace, not performance. Friends, we should have a humble confidence that while our sins and failures certainly hurt our father, they do not threaten our standing with him. Which is precisely the truth we need to hear to feel safe to go back to him when we mess up. We can receive his forgiveness and he will continue to teach us to be more like him. But in light of this reality, isn't it crazy how much we so often operate out of a place of insecurity? Wondering if God is going to disown us, comparing ourselves to other people, where every relationship is about wondering if I am good enough or better than others. What happens is, is every person in your life ends up making you feel either more insecure about yourself or more arrogant. This type of thinking is ultimately rooted in a lie and insecurity. Believing that you have to create and sustain your value and identity is a lie. Friends, by all means, work hard and pursue excellence with your gifts, but for God's glory, not your identity. You already have your identity. You are a beloved daughter or son of the king. You have upon you the very same verdict God gave his son, Jesus. Do you remember the story of Jesus' baptism? Jesus was baptized and the skies opened up and a voice of God was heard over him and the voice of God was heard over him. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Friends, the father is saying that to you today. Stop striving, start resting. Your value and identity are secure in him. Fourth, as God's adopted child, you gain a family. God is not only our father, but he brings us into his family and gives us a sense of belonging that we might know that we are not alone. He gives us a sense of relationship and group identity. So often we live in an isolated way. Maybe we even tell ourselves, no one cares. No one understands. Maybe you struggle to trust others or forgive other people. But God puts you in a family, and that is what the church is. It's an imperfect family, that is correct. It's a flawed family. 
But it's a family in progress. It's a family that is growing. A family learning together what it means to live under the care and authority of the Heavenly Father. He gives you a family. Do you live like you are truly part of a family? Or do you roll in here on Sunday and quickly make your way out the back at the end? Avoiding being around people who are different than you. Because relationships are messy and it feels easier and safer to do life alone. Friends, there is no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. It is most often in the context of our relationship and in the father's family that he fulfills his grand purpose in us to conform us into the image of his firstborn son, Jesus. And finally, as God's adopted child, you gain a future. As his child, you are also heirs. And scripture tells us our inheritance will include a few benefits. Our father is going to renew creation. No more famine, no more earthquakes, no more sin, no more death. His creation remade, creation restored. And the Bible says that the sons and daughters of God, you and I, heirs with Christ, will rule and reign in the new heavens, in the new earth, alongside of him. Friends, we also get resurrected bodies. And that is really good news. And some of you will be super stoked like me about this. And some of you will not because you're still in denial. But if you are over the age of 35, you are either at cruising altitude or on a steep descent. Do you get me? Hey? Right? You get up in the morning and you think, did I get hit or did I fall off my bike last night while I was sleeping? And you know that that didn't happen when you were 17. And it didn't even happen when you were 25. Something starts to happen to us. It's the whole point of Ecclesiastes 12. The windows grow dark. The grinders will cease their grinding. The desire will fail. Now, friends, I believe we have a biblical responsibility to care for and to steward the bodies we have been given. However, we are all perishing. So you can Botox the bananas out of your face, but eventually it's going to wrinkle. Your body won't last forever. But 1 Corinthians says we will be given new and perishable bodies. That, that the bodies we have now are weak and fragile, but the body we get upon Christ's return will not be that way. Now, I'm not sure what those bodies will look like, but all I know is that they won't get sick, they won't get tired, and they never die. And friends, that is great news. No more chronic pain, no more heart problems, and no more cancer. But friends, unquestionably, the best benefit of our inheritance we get the Father. We get God forever. Receiving his unfettered love and presence without end. Constant communion. Exactly what our soul was intended to experience. Friends, what would it be like if you woke up every morning and went out into the world secure in your identity as God's adopted child. Now, for some of you, you may be sensing God pursuing you for the very first time this morning with his choosing love, 
his adopting love. If that is you, we want to be available to pray with you. There will be people on the, uh, on the aisles, on the side, side of the platform, in the connect room following the service. But friends, two weeks ago, along with many of the adoptive and foster families here at Cedar Mill, Bethany and I got to attend a conference in Seattle. On that last day, as I was walking down the, the hallway of Overlake Church, I saw Darian's adoptive father, Ben. Every time we see each other, we both smile and our eyes fill with tears and we just embrace. I thank him for being a living witness of the Father's faithfulness in my life. And every time he thanks me for loving his son. Friends, Darian now has a father who adores and delights in him. He belongs to a family that is filled with love and grace. And he now has a future filled with hope and a father's love. Friends, I can't help but think of our father, our family, and our future as God's adopted children when I think of our sweet Darian. Brothers and sisters, in a moment we are going to come to our father's table to take communion when you are ready. As you approach his table, no matter what you have done or failure you have experienced, be certain of this. Your father does not look at you approaching with disapproving eyes, but with eyes of delight, looking at you as a son and as a daughter. Friends, and listen to me on this. I love this quote by J.I. Packer. You may act the prodigal, but God will never cease to act the prodigal's father. He will never stop pursuing you, and he runs to meet you now. Let us come to our Father's table.